How's it going, everybody? I hope you are having a great day today or evening whenever you are tuning into this podcast. And we have a great show for you today, but I wanted to take a moment to announce that on our website, path11productions.com, we finally have the early bird pricing and the live stream ticket for the Afterlife Awareness Conference that's happening November 1st through November 4th in Orlando, Florida. Mike and I are going to be down there. We are bringing this live stream to the comfort of your own home. What I love about the fact that we're doing this year that they've never had before is we are offering them uh, three camera angles. We are going to be set up in a main conference room. We have a ton of lectures that we are going to be live streaming. And then the other thing that we decided to offer um, the audience is to actually record workshops that are not on the video live screen, but that are happening simultaneously. We're capturing that audio and we are including it in our live stream package. We are going to have over 25 hours brought to you, again, in the comfort of your own home, but right now for only $99. That price is going to go up. It's going to go up to about $129 and the day of the live stream, $149. So you are saving yourself almost $50 if you decide to jump on this offer We're not really telling you how long it's going to be up there for. We have a certain number in mind that is our goal to get for the early bird pricing ticket. Once we hit that, bam, it's going back to $129. You're going to miss out, so you got to get on your computer, get on your phone, head on over to path11productions.com. Go ahead and click that button that says get unlimited access for only $99, and you are in. We are not only... um, recording these lectures and workshops and having audio, but it's going to be really cool because I'm going to be following people around during the afterlife uh, hours that they're going to have at the bar that will be in the hotel room. We're going to get a chance to really get some uh, candid moments with these speakers and have an opportunity to also talk to some of them one-on-one in between these workshops that they are going to have. We are also going to be filming and bringing uh, the Q&A panels that are going to be there and so much more. So head on over to the website, path11productions.com. You will see the button that says Afterlife Conference. You can actually scroll down and take a look at what the tentative schedule is. It is subject to change um, because always when you're planning an event like this, it can be a bit challenging to get all of these people together, but the majority of the schedule is pretty set. So head on over, path11productions.com. Get your ticket today, limited time only. All right, on to our show. And thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hi, everyone. We have a great show for you today. For those of you who really enjoy the topic of -of out-of-body experiences and the vibrational state, uh, that is what this show is going to focus on. And we're also going to chance to talk about children and children's psychic experiences. So our guest today is Nancy Trivellato, and she is a charter member of the International Academy of Consciousness and the Institute of Applied Consciousness Technologies. She has been dedicated to consciousness science since 1990 and has lectured all around the world. Uh, Some of the places where she has been is Australia, Brazil, Canada, Cyprus, Finland, Germany, Japan, Mexico, Netherlands, and the list goes on. And she established the Journal of Consciousness, of which she was chief editor for 15 years, and is the author of the book, Vibrational State and Energy Resonance, which we are going to talk to um, her about today. And she has also conducted studies on out-of-body experiences, and her current research project is on children's non-ordinary psychic experiences. So Nancy, welcome to our podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me, April. It's a great honor to be here with you and all of the listeners. Yes, when I received your book, um, Vibrational State and Energy Resonance, I wasn't expecting it to be as large as it is. And I thought, oh my gosh, I need months to (laughs) to go through this. So I have only had a couple of weeks to actually... um, 
get acquainted with some of the work in here, but I find it really interesting because many of our listeners know that in our documentary trilogy series, we did a lot of research in regards to out-of-body experiences, um, the story of Robert Monroe and the Monroe Institute, and learning a lot about the vibrational state. So your book here goes so in-depth. There's so much science behind it. It was almost like I was learning a new language. And um, But I would love for you to let our listeners know how you got involved in wanting to really begin to research the vibrational state and go even deeper than what has been done uh, mm-hmm. searched about it before. Um, in a nutshell, I have had a very strong out-of-body experience when I was Uh, maybe about seven or eight years old. I have had a few of them, but usually, you know, just flying around, seeing my own body, nothing serious. But when I was at that age, I had an uncle of mine who underwent surgery. But the thing is that I am from a very, very small town originally, one of those that you can count like in the thousands, the number of uh, residents or the population. We didn't have a hospital in the city. We didn't have a bookstore or anything like that. And, um, and I didn't have TV at home. Anyways, it was a very simple life. But when my uncle went to Sao Paulo City, a huge city, to underwent his surgery, we were not, I didn't know he was going. My aunt did not tell anyone that he was ill or anything. But I had an out of the bad experience and I ended up in the hospital. And I saw him there, uh, you know, when he was in post-operatory condition with all of the equipments and that huge city, that huge building that I've never seen before. Um, that was not a bad experience, was just different from what I had ever seen. And when my aunt came back and I told her about the experience, I noticed she was shocked. And I just asked her what sort of place was that that I saw him. And she got very puzzled because nobody knew about the out-of-body experience in my family. Anyways, that stayed in my mind and I went on my life with different um, experiences here and there that I think most people have. Some of us, we pay more attention to it than others, but many of us, we do have sensations of energies and maybe some clairvoyance here and there. But later on in my life, I thought that there was so much that we didn't understand about all of these line of study or experiences. And this shows us so much about afterlife and what is the meaning of life if you do not understand afterlife. So in my mind, I thought I should study that. So I try to dedicate to help contribute with knowledge. I think that in spite of so many different literature we have and so many different studies, we still need to find better methodologies to move on and maybe gain um, more uh, ways of putting all the information together. And in that line, uh, one thing that intrigued me a lot is about the energy body and healing and chakras, this sort of thing, right? And I read a little bit and I have had some experiences with my sensing my own chakras and having different phenomena, That's, uh, things like uh, that we sometimes face in life. And when I started trying to read more about this, I noticed that there was not so much about it. Yes, about the events, definitely. About some of the healing stories, yes, we can find. But nobody's studying what constitutes the energy body. And it's easier for us to understand the physical body because we can desiccate it. We can underwent, for example, maybe in an X-ray exam, and nowadays the magnetic resonance exams, and we see what goes on with the physical body, but we do not have equipment, not yet at least, to examine the energy body. So I started this line of research to try to understand more the energy body and this phenomenon of vibrational state that happens in many different conditions, some people even when they are relaxed, meditating or in different moments, but especially it's very common to happen when we are in an out-of-body experience, more specifically leaving the body or coming back to the body. Um, so this vibrational state or these strong vibrations that we feel, um, it's a type of resonance with all of the energies and all of the chakras and all of the different energetic systems of our energy body. So I 
I started dedicating to study about it and trying to help people to control their energy bodies, to kind of raise their vibrations, to get rid sometimes of not so positive energies and maybe some traumas and blockage. So it, this has been my story with the vibrational state um, aspect and the research that I have been doing on it. Now, can you define for listeners maybe who are just coming into learning about out-of-body experiences and the vibrational state, what exactly is the vibrational state phenomenon? Sure, sure, sure. Um, it's a... Uh, I'll, I'll describe the sensation first because I think it's easier to understand going from the uh, sensations and then we explain why it happens. Um, but normally that is a condition in which we would feel a very, very strong vibration inside of our bodies. It's not outside. The physical body does not shake. The physical body is relaxed. It's calm. It's very positive. But it's almost as if we could feel each cells of our bodies like vibrating in different intensities and frequency, but it's all over as if we were plugged to a very strong electrical current. So there are many different descriptions for the vibrational state, but people who don't know about it and they experience it, um, they, they get afraid sometimes because they think they're could be something wrong with their bodies. This is not something that happens while we are sleeping. It can, but normally we are awake. We are just maybe relaxed. We are just uh, sensing some non-physical energies or about to leave the body or in a very deep meditation, as I said. Some people, even when they are undergoing acupuncture or something like that, it produces a type of... Uh, intensification of the um, activity or vibration of one of the chakras and then another and then another and then all of a sudden it creates a type of a resonance as if all of them one positively influence or contaminates the other with that intense energy frequency and then all of the energies and all of the chakras, they vibrate in exactly the same frequency. So that's why we feel that so strongly. Of course, our energy body is vibrating the whole time and our chakras are, are moving. We sense, we may sense different movements of energy in our physical bodies than in our energy bodies. But at the time of the vibrational state, because there is this resonance, meaning everything is in unison, is vibrating at the same time, then it gets very intense and then it gets very obvious. So that is more or less how it happens. I do not know if you think that it's clear enough, April. Yeah, it is clear. When I'm thinking about, I, I feel like I've had this experience a few times. I meditate very regularly, but I don't always get to this vibrational state during all of my meditation. So, but through your book, you are teaching people how they, how it can be more, um, how, how people can access it more frequently, uh, somewhat at will. I know there's a section of your book where, um, you kind of talk about that. Maybe there are some people that claim that they stay in the vibrational state, but you say that that really isn't possible to be in, in this vibrational state 24 seven, but there is actually a, like a method to get there and a series of steps that one can take to activate it and make that happen as a part of their experience. Yes, yes. And uh, there is a technique that um, it's not new. I mean, there are many different areas that would use similar techniques. But because I have done this 15 plus years of research on that and have worked with thousands of people checking their energies and giving them exercise and seeing the results, what I have learned is that there are ways in which we do this technique that is moving our energies in certain ways inside of our bodies. I call it VELO, Voluntary Energetic Longitudinal Oscillation. But through this technique, what happens is that we distribute the energies inside of our energies body in a better way. So where there are accumulated energies or we are losing energies from that specific chakra or area, it tends to balance out, um, especially also when there are blockages of energies. And some of them, they may, may be even related to situations that we are not aware of, like sub subconscious or from past lives, or sometimes is due to influence of some non-physical entities. So all of that can produce effects 
non, non, not ideal effects, not good ones in our energy body. So when we do this velo technique, we start regulating, distributing, cleansing away, intensifying the energies of our energy body. And because of it, we get closer and closer to a more even frequency in our energy bodies. It's harder for other foreigners' intrusive energies to affect us. Harder does not mean possible because in life we are interacting in many different ways. Um, I, I don't like to give absolute solutions because that is doomed to fail. Sometimes we hurt even people that we love and that is human life, it's so difficult, but we get our energies more stable. We can cleanse, especially our energy system when there are foreigners, energies that can be um, very impactful. Sometimes we may feel very bad because of an energy we are in contact with. So the, this velotechnic produces it and because of it puts us closer and closer to the vibrational state. And the more we do it, the more we will have spontaneous vibrational state as well. And you put it very well when you said, April, that you meditate and you feel it once in a while. That's how it is, because it's not only a matter of our energies being um, with a high frequency. It's not only a matter of us having our energy field clean. It's also a matter of almost like the physics of the, the energies in which this resonance point is produced. So not always it happens. And um, according to my studies, I think that's why it's mostly felt in processes related with the out-of-body experience. Because when we are separating from the physical body, somehow the energies that are connecting the two bodies, which is part of the energy body, so the energy body connects the physical and the non-physical body. So when we are separating, these energies, they, they kind of change the natural condition that they are because they spread to allow the separation of the two bodies. And that's why the vibrational state is so common in this condition when we are um, having an out-of-body experience. I have so many questions. <laughs> um, so one thought that came to mind, one of the things that actually impacted me was, I guess I never really thought about using the vibrational state to clear my own um, chakra system. I guess I maybe thought, oh, you know, I could use a guided meditation to do that. Or maybe I could use Reiki and place my hands over my chakras, but never really thought about trying to deliberately get into this uh, vibrational state and the state of resonance to do some of that clearing. Um, so that, that was interesting to think about that in a different way. But then that led me to the next thought of, oh, maybe this is how really skill, skilled healers um, who really do vibrate at a higher frequency are able to, quote unquote, heal or help assist clients move energetic blockages. Yes, that is one of the ways. Um, according to my experience and my research, what happens in the process of healing, it's a mix of this that you just said, the energies of the healer, in a way, influencing and lifting up the energies or the blockages of the energies of the clients. But also what happens is that a conscious emission or transmission of energy towards the blocked area. I would say that this vibrational state or the velo technique that I mentioned before that, that helps producing the vibrational state, what I would say is that um, you mentioned guided meditation and, and even maybe applying energies through Heiki or any other process to one of the areas of the body or blocked chakras. All of that works, but in the case of Vilo, um, what I see is that because it's an energy process done inside the body and activates all of the chakras at the same time and start balancing out and cleansing all of them, that kind of go to the root of the chakra instead of coming from outside. It cleanses faster and more effectively, but it not only cleanses, but it also starts changing the structure of our energy body, almost as if it were a fitness. I like to call it energo fitness because it's fitness of the energy body. So with this um, energy exercise, we tend to become stronger. So things that would affect us 
before, then later on we are stronger towards them, but stronger does not mean less sensitive, it means they affect us less, but we sense them in a way that we are clear about what's going, going on, so we still can pick elements that are not physical, we still can pick maybe illnesses or blocks or contaminated energies from other people, pick, I mean, sense them if we want to and help them but we are less vulnerable in a way. So I do not know if I managed to explain this way. I have done yoga in the past and I have done meditation and, and I love both actually. It helped me a lot. When I started applying this exercise, which I learned in a slightly different way, but was the same basis, oh, I kind of reduced the number of times that I would do meditation or or. Or yoga, I, I do for exercise, but not so much anymore for the, how do I say, clearing my mind. Because what I sense is that I get faster to results when I go to the core of the chakras and straight to the root of where the problem is. So I, I prefer that because I think it's more effective. So not saying that the other techniques do not work. And I think healers in special, because I know many healers watch this show but i think healers in special would benefit from learning the technique because um so often april and i'm sure you have heard of that there are cases in which there are great healers and they help so many people but it ends up sometimes being a little of a burden to themselves because it's hard we get in contact with the energies of so many individuals and we feel the charge of their energies and sometimes we feel the non-physical presences that are around those people there can be cases in which we go back home and we still have some little contaminations of the energies that we had to handle and help cleansing so this is a cleansing exercise and after that i think this is also an exercise that expands our perceptions we become more conscious more lucid more aware of the non-physical level of reality that we are always dealing with in a way in our lives Great. And I bet our listeners are saying, okay, so this sounds really cool. What is the technique? How do I, how do I do it? So could you give an overview yes. of how one would begin learning um, the VILA process? Yeah, I'll give more a um, brief description. Uh, people will easily understand, but sometimes there are details, otherwise I can do it, but it would take like 20 minutes from us here. But the technique consists very simply in moving the energies inside of our bodies, our own energies, so no energies from outside. So only our own energy. So in other words, the energies of our energy body, of our chakras, of our systems, we move them inside of our bodies, creating a stationary wave or a straight line from the very top of our head to the very sole of our feet, and we go up and down. The technique is that. So that's why I said it's very simple. Sometimes there are little difficulties that people have in terms of uh, how do I sense the energies? How do I know I'm controlling them? And um, what speed should I do this movement? movement. Then we go to the details. But it's basically this and anyone can do it. It's just a matter of focusing and trying to kind of connect with the energies inside of us. And why do we keep doing this movement of energies up and down our bodies, but making sure we are making the energies passing through all of the different areas of our bodies, so not leaving any area uncovered. So because of it, this goes to all of the different chakras, and maybe if there's any blockage, the energy start passing through them and force them to give in, in a way, somehow, and dissolve. And little by little, once there is a dissolution of the blockage and it's more cleansed, then there's a sort of activation, and that's when we start getting closer to the vibration state. Throughout this process of activation, some people, they feel, for example, little tinglings. They may feel uh, sometimes lighter. Sometimes there is some yawning just because of the release of the energy. Not always. It's just giving examples. And then it becomes more clear, this rhythm of the energies going up and down. One of the critical things for those who want to try it is that the best is not to stop while we are doing this. Stop, I mean, some people, they do a few cycles up, down, up, and then they re rest a bit. 
that's not ideal for the technique to work best. We do it non-stop, up, down, up, down. So creating cycles, so we establish a frequency and we maintain that frequency. Um, ideally, we should move as large amount or portion of our energy as possible so we create a stronger effect. Because moving just a little bit of our energy is uh, up and down, it's relatively easy. But if we want to move a larger amount, which brings results sooner, then we have to concentrate more. But it's a matter of concentration. Um, I have this published um, in a video. So if anybody look for these, uh, calling the Velo Technique, and they, they will find deep, detailed explanations, April. Because I think this is a technique that anyone uh, who is interested should be able to access. It has helped me so much in my life in so many different moments. So I'm very grateful that I have learned it and, uh, and I'm very keen in sharing it. And where do you have the video um, available for people to see it? My channel, I have a YouTube channel that I sometimes publish some techniques and some stories about out-of-body experiences and psychic phenomena. So also some interviews. So it's, it's over there. There are plenty of details that people can look for and practice in different ways. And I give examples. So hopefully that will be enough for people to start practicing and feeling confident with the practice. Great. And um, can you also um, tell people, and you have this in your book too, and you go into um, pretty good detail, but what are some of the things that can block the vibrational state from happening? Where do people get blocked? Yes. Well, there are many different sectors, but the most common ones is um, in energy blocks, of course. Some people, it's very interesting when when I check their energies and I work with them in a session or, or for example, when I am doing a research and I am verifying the condition of the energies. Some people have their energy bodies so stagnant. I'm sure you probably have already seen this a few times. And uh, even when you try to sense their energies, the way their energies vibrate and the way their energy bodies move, how much you can interact with their energies vary so much from people to people. But in some cases, there are conditions in which the whole energy body is very stagnant, almost as, as if there were a generalized block, so it lacks flexibility. And someone in that way also lacks vitality, not because the person lacks energy. What I have been seeing in my research is that the level of vitality we feel uh, it's not so much related to the quantity of energy we have, but to how available it is to our use. Some people, they may have a lot of energies, but it's all blocked, so stagnant. Sometimes it's only accumulated in different areas inside of their energy bodies. So that is not good. That is bad. It's like saying somebody who is uh, overweight, so they have a lot of energy to use, but they don't, do, they don't use it, so it gets worse with time. So the more we apply our energies, the easier it gets for us to make use of them. And in my book, I have very practical tips for this, and I explain different ways, because one other thing that can block the condition of one doing their energy exercise, um, it's um, interference from non-physical presences. Sometimes there are people that in their environments or whatever, because of their workplace or because of some situations of themselves, an emotion they have that disturbs them and create an affinity with a non-physical being or entity. Different reasons can end up creating a connection and that connection may interfere because if I try to cleanse my energies and if I try to move my energies inside my body, but there are many different links, energetic links or connections that I have with other people around of me, Somehow I have to work strong enough with my velo, with the technique, to be able to first disconnect my energies from all of those people. And later on, I will start a deeper work on myself because with all of the different connections, then it's like we are carrying extra weight on our energy. So it becomes heavier. And there is where it becomes a bit complex because then depending on the difficulty or obstacle we have, we will start finding out aspects related to our life and to our energies that need to be adjusted. Somebody who is, for example, too 
how would I say, lack self-confidence. The person will see that they will have to be um, trust on themselves, trust on their capacity to be able to move their energies. Because if they are doubtful, at the same time they say, okay, I'll make my energy go down. But they are thinking, ah, maybe I cannot, maybe I'm not good enough. So it becomes an interesting exercise because it touches in so many different areas and reveals to us so much about ourselves and about the non-physical reality around of us. And is this a technique that you do for yourself every day? I do, but I don't do every day. I, I used to when I learned the technique because I felt that I was kind of practicing that fitness that I mentioned about. So I, I, I felt that produced a lot of change. Nowadays, I do, for example, if I go to a place that the energies are strange or if I sense, for example, somebody's trying to convince me or something or manipulate or some people are thinking of me in a way that I end up receiving bad waves of energies or if especially if there are non-physical presences or entities around that not so good energies and they try to interact with me then I do the technique so kind of I do according to the need nowadays but if I notice I get contaminated with energy Definitely, I do it immediately. And uh, it tends to work fast when our energies are more or less stable um, in a certain balance. If something contaminates us, it works fast to decontaminate. But when we are still in the process of unblocking and learning and, uh, you know, still with too many issues that are ours, we are in a process that sometimes we are kind of preparing ourselves so the technique is very effective but will be easier or harder according to the person's condition but also according to the challenge of the process the person is trying somehow to handle because if it is a very very bad energy that we connected with it may take 10-15 minutes doing the technique but if it's just a quick contamination that we got when we went to buy coffee and there was something strange in that corner and for some reason we open up then it can be three minutes so it's more or less these april <laughs> yeah and like you said earlier that the more that you do it and the more that you practice it your energy body becomes almost stronger and as you said can't be as affected as um it once was the more that you practice it so it makes sense that you know where you are you probably don't need to do it every day but somebody who's starting out it would be a good practice to kind of clear clear their own energy body and then as they're strengthening that energy energy body they would probably see that they don't need to do it as often like you said unless they come into contact with these certain situations Yes, perfectly put. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so this might be a nice segue to start talking about children, too, because you do have a chapter in this book about children in the vibrational state, but I know that you are also doing some re research on children and their um, psychic experiences, and children tend to be much more open uh, than we are as adults for a variety of different reasons, and you also discuss that in the book, but I was wondering if we could talk about children now. Yes, yes, sure. Actually, that is the area that I am dedicating the most now, and uh, and I cherish so much that. Because when I was young, young, I mean, uh, maybe since I was like four or five, I remember having had some experiences. My out-of-body experiences were always very nice and pleasant. I never, fortunately, had any problem with that. I didn't even pay much attention to them. They were so natural, um, except for that situation that I saw my uncle in post-surgery but other than that they were supernatural but April there were some moments in my childhood especially when we moved from the city that I originally was to another one the energies were quite different and I think we end up living or um, renting a house that then whoever lived there before the energies that were lingering around there were not as balanced as I was used to and then all the sensitivity that I used to have that I um, found strange. Sometimes I would hear uh, voices or, or somebody calling my name, or sometimes I would see a little, um, almost like a shadow or something, and I was 
a little concerned about that as a child. But then when I moved to this other city, then it became very, very severe because what before was, you know, just sensing something that I couldn't understand very well what it was, but I could ignore. At that time, I couldn't ignore anymore because there were so nasty and no physical presences there. They would disturb my sleep. They would wake me up in the middle of the night, literally calling my name or poking me. It's not physical, but because I was in my sleep and I was very sensitive, I could feel that in the energy body. And uh, I was terrified. I would feel, I would stay for like, I, I suppose, two hours, frozen, couldn't move, and sweating, and covering myself, and covering my face, and I would just leave a little part for me to breathe, um, a little hole in the with the blankets, and I would try to feel safe there. And during the day, I would just be able to tell my, my mother, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, but I couldn't tell why, what happened, because for a child, you do not know how to express that. Even as adults, it's not so easy to express the things that we perceive that are not physical. We lack vocabulary, and sometimes we lack understanding. Um, so because I, that was a hard phase for me, fortunately, it lasted maybe one year, one year and a half, not too much. But later on, I started becoming afraid of sensing energy, sensing presences, and uh, even the out-of-body experiences that I enjoyed so much. Sometimes I was like 20, and I would sense there is some different energy in my bedroom, and I would sleep with the lights on. So that didn't make sense. So um, fortunately, when I learned this, this same technique that I discussed, the velo technique, and that's why I say it helped me so much. I could go from feeling afraid and not being able to be alone and all of that in one month. I could sleep with the lights off. I could sense a presence and go there, and I would know what to do with the energy and face that and everything. So it helped me a lot. But especially, I think that there are many children that they have positive experiences. They are not afraid, but they do not grow enough because, I mean, don't grow enough their abilities or the knowledge they have of the non-physical reality because they are not properly guided. Um, but especially I'm very concerned with those that can sometimes be afraid or can sometimes be bullied. It's a type of bullying. It's a bullying from the non-physical consciousnesses that, you know, take uh, advantage of the children who sense them. So it's fun for them. It's fun to make others feel afraid. And that's what I think was in my case. I was never attacked in any way that would really, really be dangerous. Never. But it's a bullying. It was a bullying. So I am very interested in understanding more all of this. Of course, I have my story, which I just shared with you. And, um, and I know stories of others because I have been discussing on these topics and... Um, lecturing on this for so long and people tell you stories you learn from others and many times with the clients that i am in a session or something they i, I see aspects of their energies that point to these they confirm so i have the an anecdotal experiences and knowledge but what i'm doing now is that i'm doing a more serious research because i want to find some elements of why we have this type of experience what is the difference between a child that feels afraid and one that does not is this only in the children's mind how much is just childish fantasies and how much is an actual phenomenon that is going on so i think it's so important to understand this so that we can help better children and i would love to produce a book that contemplates all of that because what I have learned in my research, I have already concluded the first battery of my research. I interviewed people from 14 countries. And um, so it's a broad number of uh, examples, different cultures, I mean. And uh, many of those people have never heard of my work before, at least half of them, which is good, which means I'm getting fresh experiences. Some even never studied about... Um, psychic experiences or multidimensional reality. They just had the experiences and they didn't understand what it was and put it there, left it, 
should be. Um, so, but because of that, I have been seeing that parents do not know how to help children. Most don't care. But those that tried to help, they tried to help in ways that would be just telling the child, oh, it's nothing, don't worry. Oh, it's just in your mind. Oh, it's just a dream. But that is what traumatized children the most, more than the phenomena per se. Of course, there were some that parents tried to take to the psychiatric doctor or something. And I'd like to say, April, that from these individuals that I have interviewed, I did like in-depth interview, um, many are medical doctors. I had like five medical doctors and uh, some are in very high positions with governmental positions like finance um, departments and things like that. What I'm trying to say, these are not people that became cuckoo later on in their lives or something. I know for you, uh, you know that, but sometimes when people hear about this, you know, there's a bit of prejudice on what we do. People just say, yeah, it's just no silly people that think this exists. So I'm trying to explain all that and give broader vision than only what I learned from my experiences and help parents how they can guide their children. Because going to the point I was before, saying it's nothing, make the children feel confused. The experiences continue. Not only they continue feeling afraid, but they feel nobody understands them. And on top of it, many feel like there's a problem with them because children are not stupid. So if you tell them, oh, that person you are seeing is not there. So the child immediately think, so then I'm crazy. So then I'm liar. So so um, anyways, all of those that I spoke with, I think only two that is corresponding to a small percentage of the population of those that I have interviewed, only two, I would say, got kind of a little traumatized by that because they still feel about their experiences um, in a way that it hurts them a little. But all of the other ones found that their experience were super positive. They learned with it. They just wished they had been better guided. Um, but that's very interesting. Among the people that I have interviewed, I even interviewed children, some of them old enough for me to talk to them, like seven, eight, ten. But I also interviewed a two and a half year old child um, with a mother. Of course, the mother was a medical doctor, was a pediatrician, actually. But the mother was very puzzled by some of the experiences the child had um, because it was not the only child, but the youngest. And had a behavior that the mother couldn't explain. Uh, the child was very happy. I could see her. She was playing. She was not shy, which is good because in my case, I became very shy and very introvert because of my experiences. And it happens to the majority, but not to all. But this two and a half year old child, um, she would wake up in the middle of the night. And that's what happened a little before our interview. So she was around two. So she would point to a corner of her bedroom and say, well, there is a person over there. I think it was a woman dressed like this and this. What's she doing there? She would cry and cry because that person was there. So the parents didn't know what to do. So they just got the child and went to another room. Oh, let's play. Let's do fun. But everything would go away. They bring the child back to their room and the child would point the same corner and again repeat that there was someone there and cry again. So that repeated three times. So the mother was super scared because if it was just imagination, you, you make the child get distracted or something, she wouldn't go back to the same description and the same thing. So I am trying, actually I, I am doing it, but I'm, I'm still um, putting this into practice, but creating measures and some observations so that we know when it's just an imagination, when it's just fear that is creating something in the children, um, in, the, in the child's mind or in the children's mind, and when we can be a little bit more certain that there can be a real perception of something non-physical. And I'd love for that to be seen in a natural way, instead of seeing as spook. <laughs> Some people, they say these children are special, they are advanced. I personally don't like that approach. 
I think it's normal. Unfortunately, uh, there is a lot of repression and a lot of prejudice on that. But I think it's normal. Not everyone will will have this sensitivity to the same level. We are different one from another. That is normal. That is common. Some are more sensitive. But for those that are sensitive, it is just a characteristic that we need to understand. Like some children are very tough. They go out. They play. They discuss with others. While some of different, just, just a um, sibling, for example, could behave in completely different ways. So it's personality characteristics. And I think among those personalities is level of psychic sensitivity, just to put in a simpler way. But um, I would love to be able to understand all of this scale and help parents. My big challenge now is how can I come up with a book that helps them and explains things in a way that they won't see connected to religion. Because in my mind, April, I think that some people may read about this and say, oh, this cannot be, or this is not something of God. And uh, and then the child would continue suffering. So I'm here struggling with the idea of how to put that in a way that is simple enough for anyone to understand. And, uh, and do not put anyone, you know, against the idea but it's still being truthful. I want to say the truth as it is. So that is going to be a big challenge, but that is the work I have been dedicating to at the moment. Wow, that's fascinating. And I would say, yeah, that is going to be a pretty big challenge ahead of you. Um, but I also think, you know, one of the big takeaways in listening to this podcast and hearing that example that you gave is that maybe for parents out there who do have children who are maybe struggling with some of this or, you know, have monsters under the bed in the closets or don't like to sleep in their rooms, that it really could, there could be something more to it than just the quote unquote, imagination of a child, and that maybe that should also be considered and taken a little more seriously, um, you know, when trying to help their children feel comfortable when they are experiencing these types of things that are frightening to them or that the children themselves can't understand or make sense of. Yeah, absolutely. That That's my dream to see, you know, parents understanding that and being able to distinguish and being able to help because there have been many of these people that I have interviewed that part of what they sensed or saw or heard, it was different experience for each of them. But some of the things were confirmed later. So it was not just something that could not be confirmed, but still the lack of understanding of others was very bad to them, very bad. So there are so many interesting stories that I heard from these people, and and some of them went through very difficult moments in their childhood because of that, as I had my moment that was very difficult that I, that I shared with all of you. A child shouldn't go through that. It, it's not normal, you know, and um, it would be great if we could have more means to understand that. Yes. And I would love to have you back on our show. Um, once that book comes out or you do have some more research that we can have uh, even more of an in-depth discussion about that and children and the difference between, you know, their ability to sense the non-physical as opposed to the imagination. Um, but I'd also like you just to let um, our listeners know as we're wrapping up a little bit about the Institute of Applied Consciousness Technologies. Sure. Um, what we are making an effort uh, in the in this institute, we call it I Act. <laughs> I Act. I I like it. Just the the acronym because it's meaningful. But what we are doing is that we are trying to create different technologies. But by technology, we do not mean only equipment because certain techniques in the way we are approach, our consciousness, our mind, our evolution, our well-being, it can be in ways that we find devices or techniques to help us grow within. Nowadays, fortunately, right, April, we are in a moment that the idea that we need to grow in terms of our ethics, in terms of our spirituality in a way of who we are, becoming beings that are consistent, coherent, making better leaders for our world and for organizations and for people. We are in a moment in our, in our um, development of information that this is 
becoming more and more popular. And what we do there at the Institute of Applied Consciousness Technologies, creating that, creating techniques to help people more directly in their lives. Whilst what we do in the International Academy of Consciousness that I am also part of and also one of the founders is that we dedicate more to research and education. So we have formal courses on where people study all of these, but we like to explain why, how. So giving people a deep understanding and connecting topics because so many people, they know about energy or they have some experience. Others, they have read a book on OBE, but others, they read a book about what happens after death, but someone else read a book about materialization and it becomes separate pieces that people cannot connect one to another. But of course, we are studying life in people and how things happen. And for us to see this in a natural way, it's important to have an understanding of why, how one thing leads to another. In the same way nowadays, we understand that we are in contact with some bacteria that generate a process in our body, and we know what's going to be the consequences, and we kind of have some knowledge of how to handle that. So usually we have medicine A or B or therapy A or B. We can have all of these in regards to our spiritual life, our spiritual evolution. So we call it consciousness development program. So whilst we have more research and formal education in an organization, we felt when we founded the Institute for Applied Consciousness Technology that we needed something more directed to people, those that already study, understand, or they have experience. How can be, they be helped in their personal growth? in a way. So something more directed to that. So this is more or less what we do. It's a challenge, I think, but it's a pleasure at the same time, because all of us, we are able to deal with perhaps the most important thing of life, which is understanding life. Wonderful. And if people would like to go to that website, it is ConsciousTech.com. And Nancy, thank you so much. And thank you for this book. I am really going to take quite a bit of time to go through it myself personally and really try to apply some of these techniques in trying to clear my own energies and get into this vibrational state because it sounds just extremely interesting and a new technique to learn. So thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest today. Thank you, April. It was a pleasure. And I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time.